I'm Christy Scarro. In this expert interview series, I'm talking to experts who help leaders to have an influence, gain commitment from their teams, and make an impact. And today, I am grateful to invite Stephen Kohlberg to uh, uh, join us here today. Hi, Stephen. So, Hello, Christy. Quickly, I just want to tell the audience a little bit about who you are and then certainly give you the opportunity to talk to us a little bit more about what you do and how you do help leaders in this area. So Stephen Goldberg is the president of Optimist Performance and fellow Canadian. Uh, He has over 25 years of experience training, coaching, and guiding small businesses, uh, business owners on leadership and employee performance. He's published more than 300 practical videos and articles on these topics, and he's the go-to expert in all things management on YouTube. His videos have actually had more than a million views. So please check them, check him out there, and welcome again, Stephen, to the uh, to the interview series. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Good so, to see you. You as well. See you again. So one thing is, you know. We know there's a lot of challenges that uh, business owners go through. So for you, what do you see as the the big things that hold them back from being successful? Well, one of the biggest things I think is the uh, fear of letting go. Uh, You know, when you start a business, you have a lot of things to handle and control and you want to be in charge and control of everything to make sure that it's moving in the direction that you want. And part of that is fear. Part of that is just the habit of being in controlling of everything. And as you grow your business, if you don't learn to let go and let others do their jobs and give them the authority to make decisions, that can hold back the growth of your business. So It's kind of like a combination of looking at yourself as what you're doing as a leader and and managing and also how you organize things so you can let go and give up the control comfortably and and confidently, I should say. Yeah, that totally resonates with me as a a business owner myself is it's a lot of times it's this the, the mindset around, I don't know if I feel ready to let somebody else take this on. And I think you're right, it's about being organized. And if I don't take the time to plan what I can let go of or you know, teach somebody the things that I need them to do, then I can't get out of it as well. So tell me some of the things that you do, 300 different articles and uh, tips. What are the big things that we need to be thinking about then to get away from well, that? Well, you just, you just said a key word is teach. You know, uh, business owners, when they start a business, they don't look at themselves as teachers or trainers. They look at themselves as wanting to launch a product or a service. But if you, I may, I, I'm saying it again, if you want to grow beyond a certain point, then that requires training others, teaching others how to uh, do what you want them to do. It's not you know, just enough to say, go out and do it. I mean, you can do that if you have the right person, um, but you need to also train them and make sure that um, you're having them execute and do the job in a way that's empowering them and enabling you to let go and have them run with it. I mean, I always look at a company like Amazon and Jeff Bezos and where he started. You know, if you research and you go back to pictures of him starting, and you you could say this about many uh, 
uh, entrepreneurs who've grown huge businesses today, they've had to go through that transition. And, and you look at a company like Amazon, that's kind of like its own beast now. But there's people that are implementing these incredible processes and tools and technology to make a package come to your door almost the same day. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to even get, you know, beyond that because I see like our local grocer, uh, well, IGA, which is part of the Sobeys chain, they're building a huge uh, distribution center right near my house. And I know it's based on a European model where they deliver in a cup within a, an hour or two, uh, whatever you want to your door. So, you know, the, these are people running these, these uh, organizations that have been empowered and that are skilled to do it. So a small business owner needs to look at that and say, well, how can I, as a manager, as an owner, uh, transform my way of functioning so I can let people do what they need to do and still be in charge, still have the analytics and the data I need to run my business. So it's that transformation, I guess, that business owners need to go through. Yeah, and I and I think you're right. I mean, there's no way you know you could do those kind of things with, on on your own, and and they would have had to start small and trust others to do it. But I guess so. My question to you is. How do leaders know what to let go of first, maybe, because I think it's it's probably got to be baby steps. You can't like, or, or maybe your thoughts are, you know, how do you farm everything out? How do you decide this is what I should not be doing myself anymore? And this is where I need to go. Well, let's take the example of uh, a business owner that uh, hires a sales manager. Let's say he's been managing the sales force himself and has gotten up to the point where he has uh, five salespeople across the country, and he realizes that maybe it's time I have a sales manager to give that responsibility. Now, if he's good in sales, that's a hard thing to give up. Mm -hmm. And of course, every business owner needs to be mindful of sales and continue to do that but maybe take it to the next level. You know, maybe it's to create these partnerships with companies that will help you grow strategically and give up that day-to-day -day managing of the sales force and put somebody in place. So if you hire a salesperson, let's say, you need to delegate that responsibility, but you need to go in steps. So you don't just say, okay, now you take over. Maybe in some cases you can do that, but you need to build the relationship and the trust and the confidence. And so, you know, you need to put in place these, what I call agreements or performance commitments. Um, and where, and I, what the way I like to do that is have the manager uh, propose what are his commitments in terms of what he's going to be responsible and what he's going to accomplish within a within a um, time frame. So maybe it's for the next year. Or I like to do six months, um, and then propose that to his boss so it can be negotiated, and at the same time have him also. Uh, ask for commitments. You know, it's got to be a two-way street. If I'm going to commit to uh, doing or accomplishing something, 
what support do I need from you, my boss, to, to achieve that? And kind of like create a contract. And that contract can evolve over time. And you sit down every so often, like I would say once a month, and you review that. And of course, you're in constant communication with your manager and talking about opportunities, problems. But this is kind of like a bigger picture contract or agreement that you set in place that you sit down and you strategically review it and score yourselves on how you're doing and you make adjustments and you progress like that so that eventually you're fully delegating to that person. It's a kind of an easy, safe way to do that. Yeah, I really like that. I'm, I'm very big on accountability and ownership and, and, and what you've just kind of explained there is a, is a process that can can make, I think, those business owners feel a bit more comfortable that those expectations are clear, but also it puts it in the hands of, of the employee or whomever, whomever you're hiring to do the work, to define it and to ask for what they need. So I, I think that's a really great point about that. It's got to be a two-way dialogue. It's got to be an ongoing um, way, a way of communication, not just something you set at the beginning of the year. I'm sure you've dealt with organizations <laughs> who set something once and then you don't touch it for the year and you come back and say, yep, you didn't or didn't do that. So, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you go off to uh, a retreat somewhere and you, with a consultant or a coach, and you write your mission statement and your goals. And then they end up in, in a drawer somewhere or on a file on your computer and, and you wake up a year later and you realize you forgot all about those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But doing it the way I said, and, you know, it kind of puts the business owner into the um, position of a, being more of a coach, like shifting the leadership style from being, um, you know, a control person to more of a coaching style of leadership. And that doesn't mean you're not going to, from time to time, uh, become uh, more controlling. I, I always like to use the analogy of a fire, uh, fire brigade, brigade, a fire chief. You know, when you, when you look at a fire station, um, what is the staff doing? The firefighters, they're either waiting for the fire, but more importantly, they're doing drills, right? They're practicing, they're doing simulations, the same thing in, in the army. They're not going and fighting battles every day, but they're training for that. So in that instance, the fire chief or the general, their role is training their staff to be ready to face whatever's gonna be coming, whether it's a fire or a battle, right? Yeah. And so they're the trainer, they're the coach, and they're correcting them. But once the fire erupts, the fire chief now takes on that control, direct type of leadership style, and people accept it because they know they need him in that position. But they're going to be able to go and execute whatever it is that they've practiced, what they've trained for, because they're prepared. They've been trained but they need to listen to the orders from the person who sees the big picture and can say, now go up there, or we need people up there, here, whatever. So you need to balance your style. You can't always be a democratic type of leader. 
Uh, sometimes you need to put on that fire chief hat and go and fight the blaze with your troops. But they need to uh, feel confident in you because you've built that trust, you've built that relationship with them. Yeah, and no, that's a really, I love that analogy because I think it is so true in many ways. Our goal as leaders is, is to equip people to, to feel confident, but also be there as we need. And that direction piece is essential because we should be providing the ultimate direction for where we want our business to go. And, and we want others to feel like they're part of that, right? Which And, and feel comfortable in executing against that, which is exactly, I think, how that uh, analogy comes comes to, into play. You know, I remember I had a client who um, seemed, appeared to be a great leader. Like he used the right words. He spoke the right <laughs> phrases. But he, he was such a control freak. Like he used to ask a manager to work on something but because he was fearful that he wouldn't do it or do it the way he wanted he would go and tell somebody else to work on it as well and now you had two people you know kind of working on the same thing not knowing <laughs> what they've been you know that the other one was asked to do the same thing and it, it would just erupt in a conflict and then, if, you know, he just had these people quitting on him all the time hmm. and he would blame them, but not look at himself, you know, as to what yeah. am I doing? He probably thought he was I covering his that? basis, right? That, that he was trying to make sure everything, but didn't realize the implications. And I've seen a similar thing where, you know, leaders give the guidance to do it, but then they don't, they feel nervous about it. So they end up doing it themselves or coming back and being very directive. And, and yeah. kind of say, okay, I know I told you to build this, but this is like, do this and then this and then this. And then the other person feels like, well, why did you tell me to look at this? If you've just told me like exactly how to do it, you might as well have done it yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, I've said this before that I actually have an article and video on this. It's called Yikes. My boss is doing my job, you know, oh, so he's not doing his, he's doing, the boss is trying to do his job, but because he's so um, used to doing the job that he hired the manager to do, he hasn't fully let go. So he's partly doing his job. And so then the manager does the same thing with his staff. So nobody's fully doing their job. They're doing the job of the people below them. And then the people that don't have any below them, uh, people below them feel like they have no maneuverability, that they're being too controlled and they don't have decisionary power and they're not growing. And this today has erupted where people are fed up, you know, and, and because of COVID, we see this whole revolution in the workplace that all the experts are writing about and we're talking about is that, you know, people have gotten a taste of being free to work from home and do things the way they want, they're still being productive. And so they're saying, well, I don't want to go back to working the way I was before. I don't want to get up in the morning and have to fight traffic or whatever. And maybe I don't even want to work at that company because I don't feel valued. I don't feel appreciated. I don't even get feedback. So, you know, they go look for a better workplace or a better job that maybe suits better what they're, uh, what they really want to do. And the opportunities are more out there now than before. You know, there's a shortage of manpower. Yeah. So that's the danger too. 
And that leads me to another thing where I've seen a big problem with, with performance and growth is that uh, business owners, often they don't hire the right person for the job. You know, they tend to hire people who seem to have the right skill set, who are able to convince them that they're right for the job, but they don't, you know, get a, a full picture of the person. That's why I recommend and I work with my clients using testing or assessments. I don't call them mm -hmm. tests, I call them assessments yeah. uh, to better understand who you're hiring and how well they fit the job that you have for them and make sure that you have the right person for the job. Because when you do, it's so much easier to let go and let them do the work because they're fully fit for the job. They have the skills, they have the experience, um, they fit with your, you know, they have the right chemistry. They maybe share the corporate values. Um, they mix well with the other team members and they have the right personality traits, uh, motivation, thinking style for the job. And that's where an assessment tool can be really valuable in, you know, I always call it the iceberg effect. When you're hiring somebody, it's, it's like looking at an iceberg. You're seeing only the 10% that the person is showing you. 90% of an iceberg is below the surface. You can't see it. You need an instrument to go down and examine what's the size of it, what's really there. And that's what a good assessment tool can do for you. Yeah, I agree with you because I think I think it also takes some of the subjectivity. We're so easily biased by our experience. You know, we are so we, we meet somebody and we react to an immediate, you know, whatever it is that but what triggers us. And I think unless you go deeper and even ideally bring in others to help kind of validate that. But I think those assessments help you help you to go deeper and really understand that individual more Absolutely. less subjectively than you might if you just talk to a couple of people and go, yeah, this looks good. So I totally and we don't we don't recognize our own biases. And you know, you use the word immediate, and it really is. I mean, I read a study where it said that um, if people and this is even for skilled interviewers, if they like or don't like somebody within the first four minutes of the interview, they've already made up their mind. If yeah. they <laughs> like know. the person for their, and, you know, liking doesn't mean, you know, or not liking doesn't mean that they're right or not right for the job. You know, you need to uh, gather all the information and, and you're, you know, today a lot of, uh, it's been like that for a while, you know, companies hire uh, with teams of people making the decision and your teammate may see it in a completely different way. So it's important to use everybody's perspective and, you know, use, like you said, some uh, objective data to better make the decision. But really, you know, you know, I, I kind of use a three-part recipe uh, to um, get or build high-performance employees or teams. And the first thing is having the right person for the job. And sometimes that's really challenging because maybe uh, the person in the job now is not really the right person for the job. You know, they're okay or they're managing, but they're never going to be that, bring it to the next level. 
And so how do you deal with that? That's that's something that is a whole other discussion. The second thing is the right training um, for the job. So what do they need to be able to perform the job well? And that incorporates not just like technical skills and learning the system, but also, you know, what is often neglected is the soft skills, like how to work with other team members, how to work in a team, um, you know, how to listen, all, you know, the same type of skills that a leader needs to develop. And then the third thing is providing the right coaching and direction for people, you know, communicating well, giving them feedback so they know if they're on track in terms of what they're working on, if it's aligned with the strategy of the company. So that's a really important part of leadership as well is, you know, having that strategy and communicating it to employees and letting them know where you're at in terms of that. And yeah. that's something that leaders don't always do well, especially in small businesses. Yeah, for sure. It's such a learning curve, I think, if you're starting your own business. So I know you have such amazing content. So please, this has only been a really short snippet of Stephen's expertise. So make sure you uh, check out his YouTube channel for lots, lots more. Before we sign off, though, um, I know you had something you wanted to to offer out that you think will, will be helpful um, about sort of looking forward into 2022. So do you want to just quickly share the, the workbook link that uh, we can offer the, the audience uh, as well? Yeah, well, it's on my, um, I guess you're going to, we'll put it in the description. I'll put it, yeah, I'll put it in the description. Yeah, so, so I don't have the, um, there's a page I have with uh, tools, resources, like uh, templates, goal setting forms, job description templates, the win-win agreement, uh, I believe, is there too, where you could create that win-win agreement, performance agreement with uh, your direct staff member. That's there. But I just published a year in review goal planning uh, workbook. It's actually a PowerPoint workbook uh, to review last year and plan the coming year. So you look back at what your high points were your low points, your regrets, uh, what you were satisfied with, and then you set your goals for the coming year. And this year I added a, a, a page where, you know, I'm kind of um, encouraging people to choose one must achieve goal. Because mm. uh, sometimes we tend to achieve too many and the New Year's resolutions don't really work. But if you write down what's one really big goal that you want to achieve, and then look at, well, what's been holding me back or what's my biggest obstacle to achieving it? And I kind of use the analogy of an automobile. If you want to go somewhere, you have this powerful vehicle, this automobile with a great engine, and you get in the car, you turn on the motor, and that's going to propel you to where you want to go. And you pr put it into drive and you press the, the gas pedal, but there's something holding you back and you look down, it's your handbrake. <laughs> and so all you need to do is release that handbrake, but you know what that obstacle is. So with goal setting, it's not always that obvious. And if you have a goal, you want to make sure that you identify what is that biggest restrainer or that handbrake, that obstacle. 
and then set a goal, you know, like a sub goal to remove that. And often that means creating a new habit or letting go of a bad old habit and just focus on that. Because if you have one really big goal there's and you hit that goal, there's so many other goals uh, that you're going to achieve along the way. That's what big goals are for. But you need to identify what that restrainer can be or is, and you want to uh, find a way to remove that and turn that restrainer, flip it into a goal itself. So that's what uh, you can download my workbook and uh, go through those steps. And I also have to accompany that a, a single goal planning worksheet, which is very useful as well, because it helps you just think through that process and strategize it. And um, it asks questions like, do I have the ability? Because sometimes we have a big, big goal, but it's out of our grasp. It's not within, it's not, um, we don't have all the resources, the ability to, in, to reach that. So we need to be realistic and look at it. Is it a dream or is it a goal? You know? Yeah. And that circles us back, I think, to where we started, because yeah. that's about, if you, you can't, if you have a big goal and you recognize that you can't achieve it on your own, you start to think about who do I bring in or how do, how do I let go of some of the things that I'm trying to do on my own so that I can achieve this bigger goal. So lots of amazing, uh, I think, information you've shared today and lots of information it sounds like that well, I'll drop uh, as much as I can in the description so that you can uh, find their resources, uh, Stephen. So thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Um, all the work you do, I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and share, share your information out to the bigger audience. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate you having me. Thank you.